Welcome to Neurons to Nirvana, a platform for creative forces that embrace the unconventional and the quest for artistry, humanity, innovation, health, and healing of the mind and soul. Join me, Tom Hartridge, on a journey celebrating experiences unbound by physical borders or traditional norms. From inside the mind to the far reaches of the universe, this is Neurons to Nirvana. My guest on this week's episode is the lead guitarist and vocalist of Perpetual Groove, Brock Butler. I recently sat down with Brock before the band performed at one of my favorite Austin music venues, Mohawk. Perpetual Groove, or also known to their loyal fan base as P-Groove, is now back full throttle after the pandemic for their fall tour. This current tour also introduces a new band member with the addition of drummer Darren Stanley. Perpetual Groove over the years has toured extensively to play for their adoring fans at festivals such as Bonnaroo, Hangout Festival, and Jazz Fest to gain international critical acclaim. Perpetual Groove's sound is both genre-bending and unique that touches upon jazz, neo-psychedelia, trance-electronica, and last but not least, rock. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to share with you my conversation with my friend, Brock Butler. Brock, what's happening, man? Tom, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. I'm so pleased you could sit down with me and uh, talk with me. So my listeners, people that haven't heard of your band, get to know you and what you're all about and your great music. Uh, so first off, how was Dallas? Oh, Dallas was great fun, man. It was, it's uh, great energy from the crowds. I think everybody's really stoked that shows are happening right. again. So there's always a hint of that in just about everything that we've played so far. And then you're playing here, obviously. I wanted to sit down with you here at the historic Mohawk. This is honestly one of my favorite local venues that have been able to stick around. Thread Gills is now gone. Oh, and then uh, Antones, of course, which is where I saw you the last time. Yeah, I, I always enjoyed Antones, but uh, every now and again when we play certain venues, I, I find myself thinking of uh, that I would like to, if I would like to catch shows at a place i'll see you know which bands are advertised to uh to play and when we were here last time i thought to myself that i bet that uh with certain bands in this space it's probably as great a place to see a show as it is to play oh yeah i love it here so it's been a while i think the last time i saw you was in 2018 at anton's like i said but yeah. Tell me about what's going on. I got a kick out of the fact that you put out that uh, EP, Come On Covers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, you always had kick-ass covers for uh, Peter Gabriel, but tell me how you came up with some of the other tracks. Well, we when we uh, made the decision, and it was a few parts to it of uh, why we did a, a covers EP, and we have a new drummer now. Darren. Darren Stanley's his name. We thought that would be a real nice opportunity to get into the studio following the COVID stuff, get better acquainted with Darren and where it wouldn't be too much pressure of trying to just build songs from the floor up, you know, working with covers, the decisions to make about how to arrange them and things like that are a little bit, uh, it was just a low pressure situation and the, uh, 
digging in the dirt, Peter Gabriel, uh, we all threw a couple names of songs in the hat, and we wanted wanted to do, at least do two that were not ones that, like you've heard us cover Peter Gabriel a lot of times over the years. Oh, so, yeah, for sure. And so digging was a pretty obvious choice. And then I think it was Adam who threw the... Uh, our lips are sealed. Go Go's. Yeah, and and I, when I saw that one, I mean, I know I'm familiar enough with the Go Go's to know that right off, I was like, we're going to need to really pull this thing apart and reimagine it because uh, she is not my vocal range. <laughs> it's pretty far. Belinda Carlisle. Yeah, that's a tough yeah. one, but uh, I loved it. You pulled it off, and of course, I was super thrilled to hear that the Go Go's got in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh yeah, man, they're badasses. And then it's. I wouldn't say I was hesitant, but it was, I was definitely not. I, I could visualize how I thought the Peter Gabriel would turn out. But that one has actually ended up being a, I love listening to it because it just, uh, it was a neat challenge. And I think we took a, you know, changed the key and kind of changed the feel on it. And then the uh, Who's Going to Drive You Home kind of changed, cars, changed yeah. the mood on that one too. It was, so it was, it was great fun. And we did that at uh, Trans Chase Park Studios in Athens where... Uh, Dave Barbie does a lot of stuff with drive-by truckers and, uh, and where we also recorded Heal. So it was nice to get back in that studio space and having a good time. So you all were originally formed in Savannah, but you're now based in Athens, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess I, I would say that, you know, tell people it's a Georgia-based band. And uh, even though a lot of us now uh, kind of Matt and his wife are in Athens. Adam and his wife are in Atlanta. Same with Darren. And I'm living in South Florida myself. But Where are you in Florida? Uh, Fort Pierce. Okay. How do you like it? I love it, actually. I had already flown from Los... I was living in L.A. for a couple years. And I flew to Atlanta, and we were in the van and trailer on our way up to a festival on March 13th, I believe. It was Friday the 13th, and everything, it got canceled. We were already... Oh, we God, picked yeah. up the light package and everything. My girlfriend, Molly, and I, she lives down there in Fort Pierce so I was going to have to be on a plane one more time either to go back to LA or go visit her in Florida I said are you sure it's cool if I come down there this COVID thing could last weeks yeah maybe <laughs> may, maybe months even and uh, now almost three years later we're living together about 100 yards from the ocean and I love it there's been a lot of places for me to do my one-man acoustic show outdoor tiki bar kind of thing which in the scheme of pandemic stuff, at least being outside, well-ventilated, was a comfortable way to go about it. Yeah, I will never forget the Mellow Mushroom Sunday night sessions. I love how you loop. So, speaking of COVID, tell me, like, how was that for you and the rest of the band? Well, thank goodness for a lot of the types of technology there are now. We were able to collaborate long distance, do things with a metronome, like we did a cover of... Uh, Heroes by David Bowie, where I did the initial take, nice. sent that video audio. So one at a time, we all did our matching takes. The solo looping stuff, that was, you know, just make the best of it. And so I enjoyed sleeping on the same mattress every night and actually getting to spend a lot of time at home was nice in a great many ways. And that's also because I was doing my one-man acoustic stuff on Facebook streams and busking. So I was still getting that satisfaction of interacting with friends and fans and stuff. And if they recommended a new cover, maybe I would learn something new and do these weekly streams. It was the easiest loadout ever, I man. I just finished playing, put the guitar down, 
was back on the sofa playing Fortnite in 10 minutes. And, but it's go. great, so you can uh, <laughs> keep the rust away. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you it, know? It was a, I, I think I used the time uh, relatively well, I like to think. And you all uh, had a self-titled album you released, what, was that 19 or 20? That was 2019, and that was a, a major bummer because, you know, traditionally that would the following year would have been supporting that album and that material and we worked really hard on that record and it it had a lot of uh documented stuff of like we were talking about some friends that have passed away and yeah. everything and uh my, my sister passed away chris Sorry. downing passed away yeah. and those were two that happened very near the writing process of that album so in, in my opinion i couldn't be happier with uh the music and how it came out on that record but we really uh, it's that kind of the way 2020 disappeared so did the opportunity to, I think to really push that album yeah. where we would have liked to and I was wondering what the inspirations were uh, regarding that album my sister actually her name's Erin uh, and this so this tattoo where I drew this giving tree and put her initial on there and then that literally comes up in the in one of the lyrics. It says, uh, oh, "The spot on my arm where your initials drawn is healing," in the opening track of the song. And that that one addresses uh, my more specific uh, grieving process. And then a song called "Down In" is one that Adam wrote. In the uh, kind of the kick start to that was he was thinking about Chris a whole bunch. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, I knew Downing well. Yep. And so that, uh, that's just, and instead them. of calling it downing, Adam called it down in. So that, you know, there's just uh, processing through a lot of that heavy stuff is sprinkled through the themes of the album. And, and then also creating music, I think, is a very healthy way to. Uh, Such to, a cathartic way. Yeah, it right? is. Yeah. yeah. And to be constructive with it, where in the past and, you know, where, the way I used to live my life, I wouldn't have been thinking about how to process these things in a healthy way into something, I would have been self-medicating and trying just not to feel anything at all. So that was an observation I had, at least for the how the course of my life has gone, and I'm grateful for that, too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so since your hiatus, your life has been a lot better, sounds like, other than the loss of yeah, your and, sister. And even that, where, where that happened, I thought, kept thinking to myself, if I was still a really hot mess of a person as I had been, I wouldn't have been a very uh, dependable person to show up when my family really needed people to show Like, I just would have been an additional worry of, you know, showing up strung out and being flake and stuff. So having the clarity to know that I could be of service and be a, a reliable, dependable person in that time was additionally another something to put on the old gratitude list, I guess. Yeah, I mean, grief, if you've lost someone in your family or love any loved one, close yeah. friend, it's so hard to predict, dude. It just comes in undulations, waves. Yes, it does. It, sometimes it's a tidal wave and just smacks you in the face. So it's better, I mean, I've, I've been a mess off and on when my mom passed away, but time helps and then perspective and also... If you can keep it within the bumpers, it's better. Right? Oh, for sure, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> so you know, sometimes it's easier than not. What's it like being back on the road? I mean, you guys uh, were on the road for so long prior to the hiatus. You did every 
major festival known to man. Wakarusa, of course, Hangout Festival, Bonnaroo. I, I think Jam, everybody's really cruise. excited to be back at it. And we're, and we're certainly hoping to, uh, we have a new manager, Jonathan Schwartz, and everybody's really excited about that. I think it's uh, going to be a really great fit. So from a uh, creative standpoint, everyone's super stoked having Darren on the drums. Uh, you know, I totally understand why Albert would have seen and wanted to make an adjustment in his life. Maybe he just saw that after spending two years at home. You want to be it, with his family. Mark. Sure, sure. sure. It, it, not a, it was not a dramatic thing or a, any contentious thing. It was all very reasonable and just so happened that Adam met Darren. They live in the same neighborhood in Atlanta there and met at the community pool. And it was one of those, oh, you know this, you're in a band too. You know this person? I know this person. We should jam sometime. Yeah. And now here we are and it's, uh, he's just a super talented drummer. And Yeah, I mean, he played with uh, Code Talkers. Yeah. So Co Colonel and, Bruce. Yeah, and Jimmy then, Herring. Uh, Jimmy Herring, five, five to yeah. seven. Yep. Right? Exactly. And, uh, so he's he's no slouch. Like, yeah, if no. anything, he's maybe he's slumming with me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this is, I'm excited to see that. And, and how long have you all been playing with him? Well, the, the first time we played together, and this was kind of the path that led to the formal uh, of, of Albert leaving, that, you know, at the time uh, we did a show, and I'm still really happy with how this one turned out, that it was all uh, a huge dome that had Zoom screens on it. This was our kind of our COVID concert. And for Albert to be able to get there from Oklahoma, there were all of these hoops of could people quarantine long enough. The logistics of it just didn't make sense for him to either. He, he couldn't not work for two weeks just to come and do this show and just a bunch of complicated stuff but because Darren lived in Adam's neighborhood it was we were able to work out a, a two-hour set and have nice. him in there as a guest but I think that's what kind of made it a very smooth and uh, low anxiety situation of like what are we gonna do we had already met somebody where the both the musical conversation is great and then the general hang is uh, which you that's that's, that's, that's really important. It's, <laughs> yeah, important. it's pretty important. Well, even you know you want to get along with somebody once you walk off stage. Exactly, with them. and he's a, he's a great dude, and everyone's I think everyone's getting along really great, and just happy to be back out at it for sure. So where did you all kick off the tour? Well, in Athens. Right. So we did uh, the Georgia Theater and Charleston Poorhouse just last weekend, and then took a couple days driving from uh, from Atlanta and played in Dallas last night. We'll be in Houston tomorrow, and then New Orleans the day after that, and then You're I'll be playing back. playing Tipitina's, right? Yeah. yeah. And then on my birthday, on September 23rd, I'll be 43 years old, and we're playing in Savannah. Taking it, how, on how, your birthday? Yeah, how poetic is that? Cause Where I, are you, uh, Victory? Victory North, yeah. Well, happy early birthday. So I, was, <laughs> I, was, I was 17 when I moved to go to SCAD and met Adam at my birthday, you know, a couple weeks, and said I wouldn't be 18 yet. So that's how long it's been since I've met that guy. And well, yeah, so I read something. <laughs> Enlighten me, humor me. Uh, what exactly did you hear Adam say when you were in the dorm room at oh, Savannah College of Art you know, Design, Scott? I don't even remember specifically what it was, but, you know, I'm just this kind of, like, don't know anybody. <laughs> and so I think I, as soon as I overheard, he, I think he mentioned a band or he said something that it was enough for me. So I, you know, didn't look for an icebreaker at all. I just walked up. I was like, you know, so you guys talking about music over here? <laughs> I, like, I like music. 
And then uh, in his dorm room, he has, uh, you know, his stack of CDs at the time and had a few bands in there that would indicate to me that, you know, if you're listening to Clutch, it's likely because you looked a little deeper into the, you know, what you're listening to, not because of uh, just what's on the, the top 10 list or what MTV is pushing kind of thing. Yeah, so, I mean, who were some of your big influences? Gabriel, Peter yeah, Gabriel. Oh, yeah, Peter Gabriel. Um, I love Paul Simon. Uh, as far, strictly guitar speaking, Dave Gilmore from Pink Floyd um, is yeah, probably the, the number one. <laughs> and also when I used the lap steel on a stand next to me, I, I picked up that idea by watching their uh, the Pulse I guess it was VHS at the time or DVD. More than likely. Yeah. Bare minimum DVD. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else from that era? I mean. Well, certainly, uh, I, know, I don't know. It all depends, really, because the first stuff that got me was I saw the movie La Bamba, and that's what got me kind of, I wanted to, I guess, emulate what I see of this guy on the screen saying, like, rock and roll is my future. Yeah. I want to take guitar lessons. And then my older sister had a Guns N' Roses cassette that she played on the way to school. So some, Yeah, and yeah. so it was like that sweet child of mine riff, and I, I think I still, that's why I love Gibson guitars. I think there's a subconscious thing of that when you see Slash in the music video, it's like, oh, that, that is the, the type of guitar. Timeless, man. Yeah. Those videos, like that whole album will never, that will stand for the test of time. But uh, for your fans who maybe not know... What single did you just re release about a week ago? Uh, oh, Out Here. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we're doing, it's the 20-year anniversary of Sweet Oblivious Antidote. So we're getting that pressed. Really? Yeah. That's crazy. And Tom we're Flush. getting it pressed on vinyl for the first time. And, of course, the running time of what fits on a CD and what fits nicely on a record is not What's the, the same. What's the difference? But you what just, you have a limit of, like, a CD will hold, I think it's 74 minutes. And most records, you don't want to cram too much material in there because it makes the grooves smaller. It yep, affects the yep. sound quality. And uh, I think it's 20 minutes per side. That sounds or, right. And, or, I, I love vinyl. Yeah, ish, but that's, you know, that's a lot less than... Uh, that all this everything's total runtime is about 72 minutes. So if when we released that album, if it had been the heyday of records, it would have been like us saying, our second album is a four-record EP, or not EP, a four-record LP set. That's how much material there was on that CD. And then uh, but and, uh, Sweet Oblivious has a runtime that it was either going to be weird, we're having like one song per side, mm -hmm. or a side four that's unused. So we went in the studio with Darren and we recorded out here in suburban speedball. Okay. And those are good. So those will be which, and I think that's also nice because this is the first record we ever did. It has the material with Albert on it. And then the side four with Darren, cut with Darren so it kind of shows oh, that that's it's a, a, that's cool. Yeah. A, a nice uh, progression of all things. I feel like for my listeners who have never listened to any of your music, how would you best describe it? I mean, I know it's it's hard. It, it yeah, I mean, I, I think it hits on, in a lyrical sense, kind of like um, folk rock. Maybe not, I, mean, I guess a little like Americana. So some of like the Tom Petty Wildflowers kind of stuff. And then uh, and some of the other stuff I, I often tell people, 70s era Pink Floyd, 
specifically 70s because that has what is some of the weirder stuff you do some ambient jams yeah. you know? and i think that's a good kind of it showed there there are some pop sensibilities hope or hopefully some catchy hooks but if i told someone it was only that and then they come and they happen to get us on a night where it's real wacky yeah so i feel like that's a good broad spectrum of it kind of like some 70s psychedelic era floyd and probably some uh tom petty I mean, you will technically, a lot of people put you, of course, in the jam band category of those type of bands who influence you, the dead. Yeah, I mean, they're, of course, they're, it's impossible to deny the influence there. And, and even uh, Fish and Panic, both of those were shows I saw, went to college and started experimenting more with uh, psychedelics and stuff. I was always too scared to do it at home because <laughs> I was afraid I'd run into my dad or my grandparents or something. Yeah. So you start to cut a little bit loose and push the boundaries and go see some of these shows. So culture-wise, I, I think uh, certainly Fish and Widespread Panic were both that I really enjoyed how the vibe of the, the band and the music itself and then the nature of the audience as well. And then uh, since you're now, you guys are coming back on the forefront and touring again. Any bands that are catching your eye or ear, I should say, that you really I'm, dig these days? I'm way into King Gizzard, the yes. Lizard Wizard right now. I caught two nights of their shows in Miami back in June, and they just brought such a cool, cool energy. And, uh, and of course, it's certainly nice to see, uh, you know, Goose and Billy Strings. It's nice to see They're bands sick. that are in this yeah. genre have what's kind of an uncharacteristic meteoric rise so it's certainly nice to uh see the success for those fellas but yeah what i mo a lot of what i'm listening to right now is i just can't get enough uh king giz nice and then uh what about outside the jam band scene and genre i've actually been listening to a lot of older stuff like uh there's a on record store day there's a thing that comes out called jazz dispensary and they have their basically like a, a compilation of diff, maybe some old 45s that unless you're a hardcore record enthusiast, you can't, if you're right. not a crate digger, exactly. you wouldn't find. So they really find hard to the, find obscure. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so the Blackbirds have uh, been a lot of fun on there. And the Coal Mine Cube, oh, Delvin Lamar, Oregon Trio yep. is really cool. Krongbin is another is one. Shit. And uh, Delvin Lamar and Krongbin kind of to me, they exist in a similar lane. It's like this mm -hmm. just real yeah, nice deep reverb guitar. And yeah, so that's a that's a fair bit of what gets a lot of love on the turntable. Well, listen, man, I'm so glad that you guys are back on the road. And you sat down with me at this historic venue, and it's my uh, pleasure, brother. It's damn nice to see you, Tom. I'm happy for, for you. I've got one curveball, okay. one zinger sure. to end on because uh, I remember you were. Pretty big Star Wars fan. Oh, yes. <laughs> so if, if the building's burning or whatever somewhere outside and you have to save only one, who's it going to be? Is it going to be Baby Yoda or Chewbacca? Chewie. <laughs> oh, no, I'm going to go with, I'm going to save Grogu. because I, I'm, name. <laughs> I'm, I'm confident that Chewbacca can save himself. I think the Wookiee's got the strength to do it. And I guess you could, and eat, I can carry Grogu. But Grogu's I'd got probably the force, be man. I, well, yeah, but I'd be worthless trying to carry Chewbacca. That's true. Maybe Grogu could help me with Chewbacca and get us all out of there. Who I knows? Know. There's all sorts of creative ways it could work out, I guess. 
Right on. <laughs> All right, brother. Thank you, Tom. Can't wait to see you tonight. Yeah, buddy. Appreciate, Appreciate your time. You. Thanks. I want to thank Brock again for joining me on Neurons to Nirvana. I strongly encourage you to check Perpetual Groove's upcoming tour dates to find where you can catch them play this fall. If you haven't seen them live, I highly suggest going to check them out because I promise you they will perform a memorable show. Also, please be sure to order a copy of the 20th anniversary release of their epic album, Sweet Oblivious Antidote, on vinyl that will be coming out early next year. If you enjoy our content, please like and subscribe to the Neurons to Nirvana podcast on YouTube. I'm grateful to share these experiences with you, and as always, thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm Tom Hartridge, and this is Neurons to Nirvana. Neurons to Nirvana.